this is Jarrell of Krypton. You're listening to the All Star Superfan Podcast. Hello and welcome to the All-Star Superfan Podcast, the podcast that will race, stumble and fall through the 85-year multimedia legacy of the Man of Steel in the hopes of allowing new fans and old to join us in the sun as we delve into comics, TV shows, movies, DNA, Codex MacGuffins and much, much more. Ladies, gentlemen and interplanetary travellers, my name is Rob O'Connor. I exist only to podcast. That is the sole purpose for which I was born, much like my co-host, Mr. Alan Burke. How are you doing tonight, sir? I am good. This is the big one, the one we've been putting <laughs> on the long finger for the last two years, so I'm excited to uh, to get into it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, Rob. It's, it's, great to be, it's great to be here again. I sense a bit of trepidation in your voice, as you say. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, you know me, normally I am the, the positive, well, the more positive of the two of us, I think. But uh, yeah, I have a lot to say about it. Um, do I, you know, do I hate the film? Obviously, absolutely not. But... But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to chatting about about this because we've kind of been skirting it for a while, like kind of sharks in the ocean going around, <laughs> you know, the, the survivors of the Indianapolis. But um, no, uh, I'm looking I'm looking forward to chatting about it. So before we get uh, into the topic of tonight's discussion, I want to uh, say a very big hello to our special guest tonight. He is uh, one of my favorite podcasters. You can hear him on shows like the Movie Film Podcast. Uh, the uh, Discovery Debrief, which is where I think I first heard him, and also uh, Nostalgia Theatre, which is also a really, really good podcast, and he talks about all sorts of interesting things there as well. Can everybody please say a big all-star superfan welcome to Mr. Zaki Hassan. Hello. Welcome, sir. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, We're we're so glad to have you, Zaki. Um, You are a huge Superman fan, and you've talked about it a lot on the various shows I've listened to you on over the years. Can you tell us a little bit about your Superman fandom? Because I think we have something in common in that we have experienced Superman outside of the United States, which I think is not something that every guest we've had on has has experienced. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I... uh... I think my entree to the character was similar to many people of my vintage, which is the Christopher Reeve uh, film. I, I often say that I, I, I don't have a clear memory of, of a distinction between Superman, uh, the movie and Superman two. I just kind of blurred those together, but I was like, Oh, that's Superman, you know? And, and the first movie I ever saw in the theater was Superman three, which uh, I was uh, visiting. Alan, in... Alan's ears just pricked up there. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge. Super, I'm a huge Superman three fan. Oh, you, and, you and me were on the same page. I was actually just watching it earlier today with with my with my nine year old. Uh, I was visiting uh, India as a child. I was five years old, and they were showing it there. So it must have been eighty. Uh, I believe it was probably like eighty five. I think, and and I. I loved it to pieces, you know, and I, I, I still, I'm like, you know, there's, there's so much in that movie. I mean, I'll talk your ear off about that. We're not talking about that today, but, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, as far as the comics, uh, what, what I said uh, recently is that 
Uh, one of the first comics I ever have a memory of buying is a, uh, an early 80s issue with the Gil Kane cover, uh, Kurt Swan in Tears. And it's, it, the story was titled The Kid Who Played Superman. And on the cover, it has this little kid dressed up like Superman. And and I remember saying uh, at, at the time, I bought it for the cover, and I was not a big fan of Kurt Swan's art. You know, And I look at Swan's yes. art now, and I feel a lot of nostalgia for it. But I remember very distinctly, hmm. not I, I felt like uh, Superman in the comic books was very old-fashioned and kind of stodgy. And then the John Byrne reboot happened, and that was my on-ramp. And for, for 20 years, just about, right, from... from from Crisis on Infinite Earths to Infinite Crisis, that was my Superman, uh, and I, I still, I, I absolutely adore that era. I've fallen off of the comic books a bit, but the character, you know, what I often say is every version, every interpretation has something to offer, and every interpretation tells us why this character can just last and last, and, you know, even the ones we don't like, they add something, they add something to this tapestry, this amazing 85-year tapestry for this character. Absolutely. I, I, I want to say um, you described Kurt Swan's Clark Kent one time in a podcast, Zachy, as looking like a disgruntled G-man, which I always <laughs> thought was hilarious. <laughs> and it's so perfectly apt. And I, I also love Kurt Swan, by the way, but I, I agree that John, John Byrne just really injected kind of a, a youthful energy into and, and it, it felt so much more in tune with the kind of a, the Christopher Reeve movies. And on the topic of you mentioned the post-crisis, uh, the between crisis to crisis Superman. Can you tell us a little bit about these bound books that we see? The, 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 the listeners at home can't see this, but behind <laughs> Zaki right now, that there is a bunch of leather-bound books behind his head right now. Can, can you tell us what they are? <laughs> so these are, these are, this is my Marvel section, which might be uh, uh, wow. the wrong uh, thing here. But yeah, uh, just across the room and all around me, this is my comic book collection, my actual uh, collection of comics. You can see this is a Fantastic Four and these are the original issues that I've had bound into, uh, as it happens, that was, uh, this is the John Byrne Fantastic Four, so that's appropriate. Uh, so uh, I, what I figured out a long time ago is, well, I, uh, this is like my one vice, is because <laughs> it's not cheap. <laughs> that's what I keep telling my wife. <laughs> I'm like no no hookers and blow, but but uh, <laughs> but uh, custom bound comics and and I started uh, doing this. There was a local bindery here in the Bay Area. It actually just closed recently, but uh, I just I love uh, I love uh, bound collections because you get to flip through them and you just you know as opposed to having them um, bagged and bored and you just never you know you look at mm. uh, uh, boxes long boxes and and it's so intimidating because you're like I got to get it yeah. down I got to I got to dig through it. This the great thing about having them bound is they're right there, and you just you just you can't help but want to flip through them. And for me, I you know I don't mind trade paperbacks and stuff, but there's just something about the original issues and and the smell yeah. of the paper and the ads and smell. everything else. So uh, yeah, my, I did I did a a Superman set, which is again my era. I think it's uh, about thirty six volumes. I think Cri from Crisis to Crisis, and uh, it, it it the great thing for me is that it provided an on ramp and an off ramp. So I'm like, you know, I got my 20 years. That's good for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't need, you know, cause that's the thing about comics, the monthly thing. You're like, I got to keep going cause I got to keep the collection. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm, I got, I can close the book. I'm fine at end point. <laughs> yeah, that's Love right. It. And that, that, that entire triangle era was such a kind of a modern golden age of Superman. Really you know, was. we've spoken to so many people and we've had, you know, Dan Jurgens and stuff on the podcast and we spoke to him about it, you know, about how it really just brought an entire generation of people kind of, of our vintage 
into the comic book world and like that you have your start and you have your finish and it's a perfect kind of block of superman i i completely agree so uh we're here tonight to discuss uh, a film that is exactly 10 years old by the time this uh this episode goes out Amazing. Uh, it is a film called man of steel not the man of steel just man of steel directed by quote-unquote visionary director Zack snyder um i i, I want to just open this up first of all let's just talk very briefly about expectations for this film because expectations were very very high as they were for superman returns um uh, alan we'll start with you i suppose what were your kind of expectations going into what were you expecting as you were going into this um we spoke about it before with uh, matt truex um when we when we covered the superman returns uh movie you know i was kind of a little bit disillusioned leaving the superman returns film i you know there's elements of it obviously that i really like and i, I admire what they tried to do with it but overall i think it was a uh, uh, more of a miss than it was a hit and then when i found out that they were relaunching uh, you know the, the the superman universe um with man of steel obviously i was very excited and i'd seen the the trailers and the casting of henry cavill excited me i knew henry at the time from um the count of monte cristo he was he kind of played the son of uh, jim caviezel's character i think in in the count of monte cristo and i thought he'd make a, a great superman um, and yeah, I was, I, I remember, you know, booking the tickets early. I remember kind of my, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, we were long distance relationshiping at the time and we're kind of setting it up so that when she'd be down on the next Saturday night that we'd go and see it and stuff. And yeah, my expectations were, were through the roof for it. I was, you know, I hadn't heard anything bad. I didn't really have much knowledge of Zack Snyder other than Watchmen, Watchmen yeah. um, which which I really liked. You know, I, I had read the books. I enjoyed the film and, um, and 300, obviously. Um, and obviously there wasn't all this kind of extra baggage that there is now with Zack and th- those films and, you know, the kind of the, the the kind of reputation or the legacy that has now comes with any kind of new installment in, in that universe or anything like that. But yeah, my expectations were, were, were through the roof. I was very excited to go and see it. And uh, yeah. Zaki, how about you? Well, where, where were you at in terms of going into Man of Steel? I, I was extremely excited. I would say probably my, my I think, I think, by way of contrast, I think I had higher expectations for Superman Returns, and thus I ended up being more disappointed in that. And I think, yes. I think when it came to Man of Steel, it helped for me to that it was a ground up restart because kind of what we're talking about the comic books. Like I didn't need it to be my Superman. Like I. Christopher Reeve and that, that was for me and and that would nothing would affect that so I was like well I just want a, a cool new take on on this character and and I you know yeah I it's funny to think back to you know 10 12 years ago where yeah Zack Snyder didn't like th- there's this whole other lane now that he occupies in the discourse and I think part of yeah. it is sort of the hmm. the insane you know the, the Twitter of it all but but I was just like, oh, I really like Watchmen. Oh, Dawn of the Dead. I like Dawn of the Dead. You know, so I had liked everything he had done. And then obviously you knew Christopher Nolan was involved and Goyer. And, and you know, in the lead up, they had talked about how how uh, they were looking at uh, Secret Origin. You know, the Jeff Johns miniseries is kind of a, a tonal imprint. I was like, all right, rock on, you know. And, and then you look at Henry Cavill, who... Uh, I think he was on the Tudors at the time, and I only know that because yeah. my my wife was just enamored of him. <laughs> you know, he's like, "Oh, this guy Henry Cavill." I'm like, "All right, all right." 
be fine, you know. Uh, but you look at Henry Cavill, you're like, well, this guy's chiseled out of granite to play Superman. I said yeah. that just from the tutors. So I was fully on board with all of it. And and I, thinking back to my mindset going in, I was very, I was very excited for it. I was very optimistic, but I, I wouldn't say I was looking for this movie to reinvent the wheel because for me, I was like, well, the wheel is fine, and I can keep driving on the wheel I have. So it was sort of like. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. That that's kind of where no, where that, my head, that, that, my that's, and I actually really because I and I'm going to pick pick that apart later on because I think I went into this wanting this to be like okay, this is going to be my generation Superman mm-hmm. the way you know the Dark Knight trilogy was my generation Batman. Sure. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Like here's <laughs> Superman. He's great, right? You know. So uh, so expectations going in, I solidly maintain that Man of Steel theatrical trailer three is the best superhero trailer ever. And I still Good say one. that to this day. I, th- I that, think that's the one the with best. the Zimmer music on it. Yes, yeah. it's, oh, it's the one yeah. where it's it starts with Krypton exploding, yeah. and oh, it, it, I I still to this day for every everything I have, you know, I I don't necessarily love all the Snyder era movies and all that, but I I think that is the best superhero trailer ever. I think it's I I have a video file of that trailer saved on my phone because sometimes I'm just like I feel yeah. like watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, it it is my re most rewatched uh, thing of the whole kind of Snyder era is that trailer. I love it so much, and I still think it's great. And I I think it gives off a slightly false impression of what the film actually is, but that's okay because sometimes film sometimes film trailers are supposed to do that. They're supposed to sell you on the movie. They're not necessarily supposed to sell you on what the movie is. They're supposed to just put your bum in the seat. So we just come off the Dark Knight trilogy. You know, I, I was, you know, Christopher Nolan was involved. I was thinking, okay, Batman has just saved the city. Now Superman is going to save the world. I, I, I went in into this expecting, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy, but for Superman. I, and I expected a trilogy of Superman films, by the way, which, yeah. you know, no matter how much you love Zack Snyder, that did not happen. Um, so, and also, you know, I, I think as well, like a lot of people have thrown a lot of shade at the, the, the Donner movies for a lot of different reasons and I think growing up with post-crisis Superman I was expecting a movie where you know Clark was the true identity and he was going to travel the world and the, the, the trailer really gives that impression that he travels the world and sort of comes up with this idea that he's going to become Superman and I really felt like they were going to go in a very different direction to the Donner movies um so so yeah so look that th- those are my uh expectations going in but I suppose watching the movie for the first time is is very different to kind of the 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 build up just before we move on from the expectations actually sorry one last thing so when we went to go and see the movie i got a big bunch of my friends together and we we went for uh, a meal beforehand and i was actually dressed in a three-piece suit with glasses on because uh, i was clark kent and i was wearing a superman t-shirt underneath and i have to tell this story because it's it's crucial right um i i ordered uh fries right and then i moved to the other side of the bar and i was talking to some other people over the other side of the bar and i took off my glasses and then about 20 minutes passed and i was like where where are those fries i ordered and i went up to the waitress and i said well what's the story did you get my order like where are the fries and she goes oh sorry you look completely different without your glasses on. I didn't recognize you at all. And I was like, See, it, it oh works. my God, it guys. Works. I told you, I knew it works. The disguise works, ladies and gentlemen. And then we went into Man of Steel. I was more, I was more pumped than ever. 
<laughs> so so we'll move on to the, the so watching the movie for the first time alan talk me through your experience watching the movie uh, I remember I remember that day well actually I remember it was it was really warm and I remember I was caught I had uh, this I, I don't know if Zach you knows but um, I, I, I'm a police detective now but I was a uniform um, oh, wow. officer at the time okay. and I remember having a, a checkpoint and, and a guy drove through the checkpoint and it was a one-way system and I knew that if he continued up around the road that he was going to get caught in traffic so on foot I chased his car up through this up through this town that I was working in faster than a speeding I, bullet yeah not really <laughs> slow and out of breath <laughs> but I I ended up uh, it, it, it turned out to be this big thing but I arrested this guy and I remember uh, I had tickets to see Superman that night and my, my wife my, my girlfriend at the time was traveling long distance to come down to meet me to go to it and if we didn't catch that screening that night it was going to be another two maybe three weeks before I saw it and I had to bring this guy to court and there's this big kind of you know like anxiety ridden kind of I need to go and get Superman um, but made it went in saw it I, I remember the cinema was pretty packed it was like opening night and sat down watched the film and I enjoyed it I, I, I liked the film I enjoyed it um, I thought it was a pretty good uh, pretty decent superhero flick I thought it was well made there was elements of it that I really did like um, I had a lot of issues with certain story elements to it Overall, did I think it was a good Superman film? Not really. Um, not for me, particularly. I, 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 you know, and you can say that, you know, I, I really did grow up on those Christopher Reeve movies. And reading the comics, I kind of had my Superman formed in my mind and he didn't really meet my expectation. Now, does that mean that, you know, there's no one definitive version of Superman. Everybody's Superman can be different. It's an 85-year legacy history of a character. Um, you know, the Kurt Swan Superman or the, you know, the, the Superman from the 50s, 60s Silver Age is very different to what I grew up with. And this is very different to that. Um, it's not a film I go back to very often. Um, but yeah, look, I, I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it at the time. I, I do remember kind of walking out with my wife, Stacey, at the time and thinking, oh, I don't know. Hmm. I like my Superman movies to be very feel good yeah. and uplifting and kind of like, you know, fist pumping. And I didn't really get that from it. And um, that left me that left me disappointed. Zaki, where were you at in terms of your first viewing? Uh, so I, I I got to see a press screening about two weeks before it came out or about a week and a half. And that was, in a sense, kind of the best way to experience that movie because the discourse mm-hmm. sort of hadn't taken over. And I, I walked out thoroughly having enjoyed it. You know, I there were absolutely things that that sort of bumped me as I watched it. And it's not particularly controversial because I think most, most long-term fans are, you know, the, the way Jonathan Kent, more than even his characterization, I think his death kind of didn't necessarily work for me. And then uh, what happens with, with Zod at the end that, that bumped me a little bit, but it wasn't enough to like take me out of the movie. I was like, well, no, cause this, that you sort of, you, you, you do movie math in your head to sort of make it work. And and I felt like, well, this is a good starting point for blah, 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 however many, you know, oh, we're going to get like, uh, you know, six of these things with Henry Cavill. That was my mm-hmm. assumption, you know? And I remember I I, I tweeted, uh, and, you know, I'm sure that tweet is still up, you know, I, from 10 years ago where I'm like, you know, I've loved Superman all my life and I, I've had to always sort of explain why. And I feel like after this movie comes out, everybody's going to love Superman. That was my naive... <laughs> Yeah, my yeah. my naive expectation <laughs> about a week and a half before Man of Steel came out. Um, I 
I and I still being honest, it's not a movie I revisit a ton, but it's I would say in the last ten years I've watched it a, a you know a handful of times, and I I generally find it enjoyable. But you know I said I I said this in my review at the time I was like, I exactly what I said to you earlier. Like I didn't need it to be my Superman. I'm like mm. this is just a yeah. a Superman. So so I, like I look at you know Smallville had just ended like two years earlier, and I'm like well that's that Superman, and this is this one. And, you know yeah. hey it's a big party, let everybody in. So that was sort of, and again it I would say my expectations were. That oh we're gonna get a whole bunch more and and the sequels will expand on this world just as you know the Dark Knight trilogy did that did not end up happening probably in a way that that I would have liked but you know I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. that uh, and I, I'm I'm still I'm like no I, I like it you know um, yeah. I wouldn't say I love it but I but I I do I always enjoy watching it yeah. I feel like every time I go last on these shows, everyone's waiting for the record scratch moment. But actually, <laughs> in this particular case, I'm I'm kind of on the same page as you guys. I, I went to see it. It was very different to what I expected, but ultimately I came out of it going, yeah, pretty good. And and like you, Zachy, I was kind of like, this is a movie that, that you know, the mainstream are going to like this and not feel the kind of cringe factor of other versions of Superman that maybe it isn't for them. Like, you know, I love Superman the movie like a person that lives and breathes. But like, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of people my generation that would watch that movie and go, mm, not for me. Right. You know, whereas yeah. I felt like watching Man of Steel, I was kind of like, this is a movie that, you know, it, it, it it's going to be a little bit more palatable for the mainstream. And and then I think I got home and I think I was kind of thinking about it the next day and I was kind of going, huh, mm, maybe, maybe that bit wasn't so good. And, you know, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that other bit wasn't so good. And, you know, it, it was just this kind of trickle down effect of, it was a very similar experience watching uh, X-Men 3, if you guys remember that. Sure. X-Men The oh, Last Stand. Like, watching that in the cinema, I was like, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, Magneto, and there's a big mutant war, and oh, pretty cool. And then you get home, and the next day, you're kind of like, oh, that, that wasn't very good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I suppose that, that, that leads on to kind of where we're at now, which is watching it now, 10 years on. And I, I, I'll go first. If, if that's okay. I, I watched it with my partner, Saoirse, who was now my fiance, who watched it in the cinema with me at the time. And I remember at the time, she was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then watching it together last week, she, like, for a lot of it, her face was just in her hands. In <laughs> she, she was cringing throughout the whole thing. And I was kind of going, well, you know, what's going on? And I think a big part of it for her was nothing to do with Zack Snyder. It was actually David Goyer's dialogue was just really cringy and really mm. cheap and wow. just really really mediocre and i feel like a lot of the female characters in the film just are if anything has dated in this film it's the way lois lane is written and all the uh, the kind of the female characters written i don't know mm. if you guys had that experience but like she she uh, there's that bit at the end of the movie where the soldier turns to general swanick i think his name is swanick manhunter and she goes oh you know superman's kind of hot right <laughs> and Saoirse was just like <laughs> oh, David! She, and, and she literally, she she literally said the words, "David Goyer has never met a woman," which I thought was just amazing. So I, I don't know what did you, what did you guys think? Kind of watching it back ten years on, Alan. Um, I watched it last week, and to, to to be fair, a lot of my criticisms, I 
I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to uh, rewatching it because it had kind of built up it had been at least five or six years since I had seen it and it kind of built up in my head as this thing that I didn't really like and it was a bit of a slog um, and it was two and a half hours and uh, and ultra violent or whatever and um, I watched it and I was blown away by the Krypton scenes at, at the beginning I, I really enjoyed them I thought it was a good new take um, I think the casting in this film throughout is top notch uh, I think everybody is cast superbly from, you know, Lawrence Fishburne to, to Henry Cavill to everybody in it. A- Amy Adams, even though I, I, I they don't really give her much to do in it. Yeah. Um, and as the, the big change, and we spoke about it previously, Rob, the big change over the last kind of 10 years is the fact that I'm a father now and I wasn't at the time. And there was a lot more that I noticed in relation to how heavy it kind of featured, you know, the Jonathan Kent, character and his dilemma of you know loving this son like that scene where where clark turns to him in the in the cellar and he's like i just want to be mm-hmm. your son again and he, he turns to clark and he goes you are my son and he hugs him i literally was welling up at that scene um and his voice is cracking issues, as he as he said his voice yeah. Like Kevin Costner is a is is a is an could make an unbelievable Jonathan yeah Kent. I, I I I will agree very for I think you know I I think he's really really strong in all of those scenes I think he's unbelievably strong like even the scene where you know he he goes over to to talk to Clark after Clark saves the busload of kids and he can see the anguish in his face and he can see the worry do I think that Jonathan Kent is the type of Jonathan Jonathan Kent that would raise Superman or Clark Kent like you know like like it, like a lot of people, I have a huge issue with him turning around and saying maybe he should have let those kids die. Like I, I don't think that's something that the Jonathan Kent that I know, that I've read in the books or that I've seen in TV shows like Lois and Clark or even the Glenn Ford character, um, would have said back in the day. And I have huge, huge issues with that. I really, really, really don't like Jonathan Kent's death in the film. Um, I don't think that was well executed at all. I don't believe for a second that Clark would stand there and watch Jonathan be killed now there is a line that I picked up this time that I didn't pick up the other times where he where he says to Lois in the cemetery when Lois figures out that he's that he's Clark Kent and he says you know my father you know died you know I trusted him I allowed him to die because I trusted him enough you know he knew that it wasn't the people weren't ready to know my secret and I trusted him enough that I let him die um, like that kind of gave it a little bit more weight this time but Superman letting people die I just don't think is something that Superman does and again you know I understand that this isn't necessarily my version of Superman but little things like that left a bad kind of taste in my mouth again as I watched it um, General Zod superb uh, Michael Shannon I thought very threatening really enjoyed his performance in it really enjoyed you know he the, he the, was the big thing that stood out to me this time he is the yeah. mvp of this movie michael shannon oh my god he's so good yeah. in this he's terrifying like if yeah. that that whole scene where he comes to earth for the first time the message comes through on the tvs and stuff is terrifying um and you really think he's going to kill martha kent at the outside the kent home you know um and the set piece and everything are great. You know, I think, again, nostalgia-wise, I miss that one big rescue. You know, that one big, big Superman time. rescue. Big we get it in Superman Returns with the shuttle. Uh, we, we get it in Superman the movie with the, uh, with, the, with the helicopter scene. And we don't get anything like that. We don't get any kind of, oh, my God, who is this? And look at this epic, you know, feel-good scene, um, which I, I think it, it missed. Overall, I think the tone is wrong 
for the film, mm-hmm. for, for a Superman film. Like I said, if it was an Ultraman film or a Wonder <laughs> Man film or something else and it was just not Superman, I would be like, yeah, you know, this is cool. But I, I think it misses some of the tenets of of the character of Clark and Superman. And I, that's, I, that's what I walked away from it with. I, I want to come back to some of the inherent controversies you, you've raised there. But first of all, Zaki, can you tell us, uh, you know, what watching the movie now, 10 years on, how do you feel about it? Well, I think you sort of, you, you temper your, your uh, reaction to it a little bit now, knowing that, well, it's a bit of a closed circle and whatever this incarnation is, is now over. So, you know, you contextualize it however you need to. Uh, but I, 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 I think for me, the stuff that I liked, I still like. And the stuff mm-hmm. that didn't work, I would say probably works for me a little less now, given that there isn't really an opportunity to, to recontextualize it. You know, I think you were talking about the death of Jonathan earlier. I mean, that's one of those things where I can kind of maybe see what Snyder was going for. And I, you know, I did a commentary Absolutely. track through the film uh, with, with my partner, Brian Hall, a couple of years ago where we, and we, when we got to that scene, I was like, you know, maybe if it was staged just slightly differently, like it just, it happened so quickly and we're in it. It's like a split. If he just had a split second extra, that would have made the difference you 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 know but the way the movie stages it it's like jonathan's like stop and then clark's like one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand four <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm like there's a way to make this work and i and i do think you know the filmmaker here's a, here's i think fundamentally the flaw is that uh the filmmaker said we were going to treat this like there's no, been no other superman movie before this, this is, like this is the first yes. one right and and I'm like, well, if that were the case, then Jonathan would have died of a heart attack, right? Like, because yeah. that's the best version of that. And by the way, I'm team keep Jonathan alive. That's me. Keep them I'm, alive, baby. That's, yeah, that's me. Yeah. But I'm like, me too. I'm like, if you're gonna do it, like, you look at Glenn Ford in in Superman the movie. You look at uh, John Schneider in Smallville. Like, it's powerful yeah. and and fundamentally why? Because I mean, he said it's it's in the movie, right? All those things I could do, all his powers, I, I couldn't even save him, right? Well, him. well, rescuing somebody from a tornado, that's in Superman's wheelhouse. And and so that that's the problem, right? So we get we get Jonathan's instinct of I would rather die than let my than put my son in danger. That's 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 Jonathan all the way. But Clark, we the idea that he uh, barring some extenuating external force that prevents him or it's just slows him down to such a degree that he's unable to i just don't buy that he would stand there and watch him so so that it bugged me 10 years ago yeah i would say it bugs me maybe slightly more you know and and then and, and then as, as a corollary to that you know the 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 scene at the end with with general zod i don't know problem with superman killing i don't think you should do it like on the regular but as a story element Mm -hmm. but i think when it's like superman day one and like that's that's how he gets rid of the villain i would say well that's something that should come later and it should be like when john byrne did it it was something that fund it broke him because this was something that he fundamentally did not believe in and so it's i'm not coming at it from i don't think superman should kill i don't again i don't think it should be a habit but i it's these elements where you're like you can be like yeah they did it in the comics but they did it differently they did it in another version but they did it differently and so i think for me that the movie doesn't end with clark reckoning with having taken zod's life and what a big deal that is 
Zaki, the, the very, you, you, the very you're next taking, scene. Zaki, you're taking all the things I was going to say and you're saying... <laughs> yeah. the, the very next scene. You're, you're, spoiling, I, I, you're spoiling all the points I was about to make. So. I, I forgot that. Like, the very the very next scene after he kills Zod is just him kind of floating and talking to Martian Manhunter's character and, and, and the other, you know, and he's fine. Right. And there's no kind of... All right. Like, but before before we go down a well of negativity, can I just say, first of all, I really adore the music in this film. I forgot to say that. Yeah. For me, yeah, this, is one, this is one of the last Hans Zimmer scores where he's really given it all because I think he's, <laughs> kind of phoned, he's kind of phoned it in a little bit. I really liked his James Bond score, but I think it wasn't just him. It was a bunch of people. There are tracks. Well, to, be like, to be fair, like Danny Elfman has been using the oh, same yeah, score yeah. for that, four, that, 40 years. You know, look, look <laughs> if, if it's, it's good business if you can get it, you know, if you can phone it in, yeah. do, you know. But look, there are tracks in Man of Steel that I can take or leave, but I think the main Superman score is just, I think yeah. it's beautiful. I think it's so, yeah, it's so good. Beautiful, especially yeah. the opening bars and the piano it's like it's just and I, i'm sure this is what they had in mind it's like an ancient kind of a prehistoric lullaby dun, 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 dun. it's yeah. like a lullaby that's still clinging on to recognition across the endless reaches of the universe i just think it's i think it's yeah, it really really lovely and the way they integrated throughout the score and throughout all these movies like you know i you know i i i don't love this movie i i i really dislike the movie that comes after this but the few bits of it that i like have this score in them. I, I think it's a really, really lovely Superman score. I'm actually not one of those people that thinks, oh, they should just use the John Williams score and everything. I think Superman does need to have different themes and I think this is one of the strongest one we, ones we've ever had. I, really I don't think the John Williams score would have suited this. No, it wouldn't. I, I, like, wouldn't. I, I'm a huge John Williams score guy, but I, you know, for this tone of this film, I don't think it would have worked. Suffice to say, Zaki, your point about Jonathan Kent's death my point, my, my issue with that is not that it doesn't make sense. It's that it isn't directed well. <laughs> it's like right. th- 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 there's a, th- there is there is a very brief shot where Clark looks behind him and realizes that people are watching. Right. And that, OK, well, I shouldn't use my powers here because everyone will see me. That is not that is not kind of conveyed well enough for the audience at home to go, oh, well, he can't do that because then everyone, you know, if you remember back to Superman Returns, there's that bit where he's like landing the car and everyone has their phones pointed at the, and and you, it, it it conveys the fact that okay well now everyone has phones everyone sees everything everyone is constantly like looking and examining everything that's ever happening perfect time to do that in this movie is like when Jonathan is about to die everyone take their phones out and fucking you know i think that, that would have been a great way you know but Clark can't use his powers there because everyone will see him and it will ruin his identity and you know i think that would have been a better way to convey jonathan's fears is that if everyone knows what you can do now you won't be able to be this great hero later on and i don't think that really comes across well enough in that scene i think it's but does a- anybody else get the impression from this film not from future films but from this film does anybody else get the impression that like by the time he's an adult, Smallville people know absolutely that he has absolutely. superpowers. That's one in of my, this film. That's one of my favorite things about. That's one of my favorite things about the Snyder era is that everybody in Smallville knows he's Superman. Every single one of them do. And when he, uh, when we, I, I don't want to talk about the future movies, but when he dies, everyone goes to his funeral. They all know that Clark Kent is Superman. I think that's a great idea. I think oh, what do you do. think about that, Zachy? Do you do you think that they do know by kind of the time he's wearing the suit? Like, there's that, there, I, and I know there's the the scene where Pete Ross. You know, he crashes through the IHOP or whatever it is, and Pete Ross. There's kind of this look of recognition. Yeah, the but inter- Pete international Ross... head of pan- international house of pancakes, Alan, fifty uh, percent yes. off if you go there. <laughs> if, 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 if you quote Man of Steel hashtag, uh, you know, 
Zack Snyder, you get a free pancake. <laughs> do you do you think that Smallville do you think that Smallville people know or small villains know that he's Superman in this movie? I, I think it's hard for them not to, given how sort of publicly, you know, so many of these things happen, right? I, I and I think I think this is this maybe gets to sort of a fundamental flaw when you lean too heavily into the realism of it all right because mm, because yes. superman the myth now now uh, rob notwithstanding your story about not being recognized without <laughs> like it, it hinges on everybody kind of being like he takes off his glasses nobody recognizes him and we're like exactly. we're, we're gonna pretend that totally makes sense well unless it's panic in the sky Unless it's the fifties Panic in the Sky episode, yeah, yeah. Where... that's right. <laughs> okay, so, I, and you know what? Sorry, go on, Zach. Yeah. No, well, and and so I I think that's the problem is if you it, it, the the movie asks you to be like, no, no, this is the realistic version, and when you do that, it starts tipping into like, well, obviously everybody would know, and you know, and and so mm-hmm. the notion yeah. of Superman having a secret identity uh sort of falls apart and by the way i don't want this to be read as a critique of the film because i'm just like i'm i've been sort of meeting the movie where it where it, yeah where it meets me but but i i hadn't thought about it rob until you say well yeah obviously everybody knows and i'm like yeah i guess they do right <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you keep that secret you know <laughs> and and sorry j- just uh and i want to come back to zod in a second and and by the way guys we're going to talk about things that we like about the movie again but just going j- just coming back to realism and that was a big push in the the kind of publicity of this movie is that no 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 this isn't a dark movie this is henry cavill's words by the way this is not a dark movie this is a realistic movie okay so they, they were really really going into this this is the realistic version of superman the realistic version of superman where a guy who's worked in a bar in Canada and worked on a fishing trawler walks into the greatest newspaper in in the United States in the world and gets a job straight away. There you go. Off you go. We're hiring him. He's the new stringer, Lois. Welcome. Clark Kent. Welcome to the Daily Planet. He, he is he is in Perry's 40 years in the business, the fastest... Oh, wait, that's well, a no, that, that's sorry. a different movie. That's a different... That's where they took the time to address the silliness of this guy getting a job in the greatest... Like, that That to me, like, whatever about General Zod, we'll get back to that in a second, that's the only bit of this movie where I'm like, okay, I hate that. I hate that moment. Because I, Zaki, and, you know, you're from a journalistic background as well. I have a degree in journalism. You don't work in a couple of bars in Canada and then get a job right. in the Daily Planet. Right, yeah. Uh, well, Zachy, when you watched it originally, Zachy, were you disappointed that they didn't kind of focus more on maybe Clark traveling the world, kind of like 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 Superman, like Birthright, where it kind of shows him building up his his journalistic skills and his talent, and kind of you know you know he goes to Africa and he has that um, that involvement um, with the with the rebels and stuff in Africa, and you know it's that story that gets him. I think I I remember that right. It's that story that gets him hired at the Daily Planet or that he uses. Like, in, were you kind of were, is that what you were expecting? I, you know, I would say that I, that would have been nice. Absolutely. Cause I think, I think, and Mark Wade, I think was quite vociferous in his, in his negative reaction to Man of Steel, as I recall. I, yes. I definitely, mm. but what's weird to me is Man of Steel clearly took cues from Birthright. Like I, I have no doubt, like you can see all the influences. So, so I appreciate that. Right. But, but I think what I wrote in my review at the time, and I haven't looked at it in a while, but I think I said there, there's a, there's like a mild-mannered reporter-sized hole in this movie. Like I wanted, yes, I, and and I don't even mean like the the Clark Kent persona, but I I I think that we don't get, you know, quote unquote Clark Kent until the very end. Uh, the you know the the you know the, the with the glasses and the whole thing. I'm like I needed mm-hmm. that to come in sooner. 
yeah. You know, and and I will say, I the the mm-hmm. extended cut of of Batman vs Superman. That's one thing I do like about that. The extended cut is we get crusading reporter Clark Kent. I love that. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, with this, I I think that they they sort of they're like, oh, and by the way, he's got to be at the Daily Planet. Oop, credits. Like it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's 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 almost yeah. like that they put so much effort into making everything else realistic that they yeah. kind of just said, okay, well they'll just buy that. They they won't worry about that. You know, it's the end of the movie. Who yeah. cares? Like, and and it's weird. Like as you say, Zachy, like you know, whatever about you know Bruce Wayne is the head of a company. Like that that's kind of a boring job. When you're an investigative reporter, that's the kind yeah. of thing that can drive the plot of a movie. Like it's weird that they didn't include it. Like I don't know. For for me, that's the yeah. biggest. The, the biggest, yeah. like, you know, setting aside the, you know, the, the, the structural issues I have with the script as a movie in and of itself, as a Superman fan, the biggest problem I have with Man of Steel is that the journalism is just nowhere to be seen at all. For right. the first time ever in Superman, it's like they just don't, they're, 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 they're just saying, okay, well, we don't know what to do with this. You know, we'll, we'll throw it at the end of the movie for the people who care and that's it. And for me, that that's, that that's more of a biggest bigger like a missed opportunity and to be honest the one thing about when you when you talk about the realism i do like in the film that she is smart enough to figure it out right but yeah if like she that, is smart yeah. enough to figure it out you know almost every reporter of the world would be smart enough to figure it out you know like she <laughs> she figures it out pretty easily <laughs> but if it had been a case that he showed up henry cavill especially like he shows up at the end of that film and it's clearly henry cavill like it's it's henry cavill with it's, it's superman with glasses on you know now maybe i'm just kind of I, I can look at the Christopher Reeve version and go, I can kind of buy how you could think that that's two different guys. With this, there's no way. He walks into that into that newsroom in front of Perry and everybody and they're like, Superman is here wearing glasses. And, and again, if you're talking about a realistic version of Superman, like there's a whole portion of Superman Birthright where they lay out mm-hmm. the legitimacy of how the glasses disguise could work. Like, right. th- why yeah. not put that in a movie? Like, yeah. seriously, like I don't get it. Like, would, would anyone really watch that? Like, there's a whole bit where Martha's like, you know, you have these inhumanly blue eyes, but if you put the glasses on, they kind of cut the blue a little bit. And if you hunch over, like, I, I think that would be yeah. kick-ass scene. Bur- burned in something really similar ridiculous. to just trying to... Yeah, I mean, it, you're sort of, you hand wave it, but it's enough to kind of make us like, yeah. oh, okay, you know. Yeah. I mean, in in uh, it's so funny. I just recently watched the pilot of Lois and Clark, which I adore. I think that's... Alan, that's Alan have you ever seen the pilot of Lois and Clark, the new oh, Avengers? Um, maybe like 5,000 times. <laughs> yeah. it, it, I mean, it's, it's great. It's, I think it's, it's like one of the best Superman movies ever made. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's Absolutely. For, for like, my money, Zaki, it is the second best Superman movie ever made. I think it's, it's better so good, than right? any of the Christopher Reeve sequels. Yeah. Uh, I'm inclined to agree with that. Yeah, and and even in that, where it, when right at, when he gets the costume and stuff and he's talking to, to Kay Kalan as, as Martha and he's like, well, it won't be me. You know, and he does, and she's and kinda, she's like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, that's enough. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, that that that. I think the term for that is lampshading. It's like yeah. the writers are addressing something. They're saying, "Look, we know it's ridiculous. Are you gonna bu- are you gonna play along? Yes. Okay, let's move <laughs> along. That's all we need. It's like it's like Alan, you referred to it earlier on the fastest typist I've ever seen. That's lampshading. It's yeah. like Perry yeah. White acknowledging to the audience, "It's ridiculous that we're giving this man a job. Go with it." You know, and that's what you need Absolutely. in a movie, like I think. Oh, and and yeah. if, if I can just sorry, if I can just make another point about Lois and Clark, I think what that show did very smartly was it put Clark at the Daily Planet first before yes. Superman shows up, and that yes. that too, because that's different from the way Byrne did it. But I I think I think I it totally it 
it's like how did he end up here and then how does nobody act like oh well what's what, what the, the 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 coincidence of clark and superman showing up so close together i like that we kind of get rid and, of that and on the topic of Lois and Clark, Zaki, I'm glad you brought that up because, Alan, you were talking about Jonathan Kent earlier on, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about how, oh, well, Jonathan Kent would never say that. In the pilot of Lois and Clark, Lo- uh, Clark saves a guy who, that there's some incident in a sewer where Clark jumps in and saves him. And Jonathan immediately says, well, Clark, are you sure no one ever, are you sure no one saw you? Because we all know that if someone saw you use your powers, you know, and he's basically implying, don't use You'll your powers to, to save people. You know, <laughs> and it's them. very it's, it's you'll have to kill him kevin costner's like you're gonna have to kill him he's gonna it's be very, some necks <laughs> it's, it's very very similar in smallville as well john schneider says it a couple of times especially in season one he's like clark you know you can't be just going around willy-nilly yeah. using your powers i honestly I, I don't think it's a thing that jonathan kent wouldn't say that i think it's just the way the scene is written it's kind of built around the big trailer line of kevin costner saying maybe like yeah. I, I yeah. think I think if you phrased it a little bit better, it would be very similar to something Jonathan Kent has said in other versions, you know. And that brings me to the other big controversy, which I really, really want to get to, which is the general Zod in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get ahead of this topic, Alan. I have no issue with Superman killing General Zod in this movie. Um it it was a big bone of contention and there is issues I have with the film. Uh the way it was framed in it. Um, and maybe it's just because uh, I don't know but uh, the way I looked at it was there are situations this meant to be a grounded realistic Superman there are situations where there is no other choice like that family was going to be vaporized he couldn't overpower him he had a second to decide what to do and it was either you know he he begs him and he screams at him to stop And he shouts that he'll, he's never going to stop. He's never going to stop killing people. And he's going to vaporize this family. And Superman makes a decision and he kills him. And like Zaki said earlier on. In, in, this, a, in this fictional world that a, a writer has written. Yeah, and you can always write your way out of it. A situation <laughs> that a writer has put Superman in in this fictional Absolutely. world. Absolutely. There's always ways. Oh, yeah, you can, you can pick him up and you can fly really. But if you can't, like if there's a situation where you can't, you can, he can't overpower him. Why do they put he's, Superman he, in that situation? Because, <laughs> because that's the situation that he found himself why, why, why in. Why did it make the movie better? Sorry, sorry, guys. Sorry. Um, I don't think it made the movie better. I, I, I don't think, I don't, I didn't go in there looking for some like, you know, like, like, like you said, some neck snapping, you know, superhero shenanigans. I don't think Superman should be going around killing people left, right and center. Um, and I know like the, the Snyder, the pro Snyder crowd or, you know, whatever you want to call them are all about how um, Zod and Ursa and Non were killed in Superman Return or Superman 2 the theatrical cut I never got that impression forgetting even the, the extra scenes or the deleted scenes that show up in the Donner cut and stuff I never even as a kid got the impression that those Kryptonians had been killed in the Fortress of Solitude maybe that's just me I always got the impression that that pit was like 8 feet deep um, <laughs> yeah. but I, I didn't have an issue what I did have an issue with you know in a no-win situation, he's there and he has no alternatives and he, he has to kill him. Fine. My big issue is with the next scene where he turns up and he's talking to two people as if he hadn't just murdered somebody or killed somebody in self-defense, whatever you want to call it. That is the kind of thing that I would imagine this version of Superman would be grappling with well into the second film. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And, and, and going back to the thing that everybody cites in the comics... Superman did kill General Zod and he spent so much time grappling with it that he exiled himself into space. Yeah. 
You know, it was yeah. a whole big thing that he spent ages thinking. Anyway, sorry, Saki, give us your take on this. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I, it, it did not bug me only in the sense that, well, I mean, uh, as, all things being equal, Superman shouldn't kill. But as a story element, I'm, I'm on board. And, and yeah, like we said earlier, uh, the, the fact that he kind of brushes it off uh, rubbed me wrong a little bit. And I, I do feel like later in this character's history, it would have worked uh, a bit better. And, and I, I think, you know, Zod um he he wanted to die it was i what i said uh, yeah. i think in our commentary yeah. track i said he it's suicide by cop he he was yeah. like you will kill me i'm gonna put you so i'm gonna die and i'm gonna make you feel like a piece of shit for doing it that's a great that's a great analogy i never thought of it like that that's a great yeah you know and 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 connected to that i i think that it it's tough because <laughs> what i say is i being honest, what bugs me more than Superman killing Zod in Man of Steel is Superman in Superman 2 going to that diner and beating the shit out of that guy. <laughs> That's like way worse don't, to me. Don't, don't, don't watch season 3 of Superman and Lois. <laughs> this, this order is to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. like, That's a normal guy. Like I'm, I'm like, he goes and like beats this guy into a coma. I'm like, look, it's cathartic for the audience, but I'm, if you're looking at things Superman wouldn't do, I feel like the, the diner thing Superman wouldn't do. I don't know, maybe that's too <laughs> I, I, I hear you, and, and it is a complaint that a lot of people have. And by the way, it's a thing that happens in Man of Steel too, by the yes, way. Yes, I was just about to say that's it, with the truck. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, amongst the litany of things they lift from the Donner movies, by the way, which we'll get back to. Look, guys, on the topic of General Zod, I said this on Zach Moore's uh, Always Hold On to Smallville podcast. Uh, my, my problem with Zod's death isn't that Superman would never kill people. We all know that that's happened in the 85 years of Superman's existence. The popular characterization is that he doesn't kill people. But look, the fact is you can find dozens of things that contradict that. Yeah. The character's been around for 85 years, find contradiction for anything. Just like it, just like if you were about to say, oh, well, you know, Superman would never be racist. You know, you, you can find some weird old comic. <laughs> yeah. You can oh, find yeah, some yeah. weird old comic from the 50s where Superman's wearing a Native American headdress and saying some <laughs> problematic thing. Like, sure. you know, th there's there's exceptions to every rule. And yes, for all the people standing in the in the audience, you know, in Superman 2, Superman does indeed laugh as Zod and his minions are dropped off a ledge, as Alan said, into the abyss in the fortress. To be honest, though, and you kind of said this as well, Alan, it's a throwaway gag in that movie. It's like a Looney Tunes joke. It's yeah. like, it's nothing. It's like, if they're even dead, it's like... It, they're not like and then obviously there's the deleted scene where the arctic police are driving you know it's nothing it doesn't exist it's it's, it's like it's like when people point at michael keaton's batman and say oh well he he put that acme dynamite on that guy and killed him it's like well it's a loony it's like a wily coyote joke like it's not the same thing you know it, it and and but like to you know to the critics point like it is it's a stupid bad scene it's cheap and meaningless in superman 2 it's a cheap and meaningless gag and I would make the point that in Man of Steel, it's just as cheap and meaningless. It's like in Superman 2, it was a cheap joke. But in this, it's kind of cheap drama because like it has no bearing on Clark's character arc. It has nothing to do with anything he's like learning throughout the course of the movie. It's kind of just there to end the scene. But what, what do you do in this universe <laughs> in, with the rules that they've established? What do you do with General Zod? You put him back in the fan. You find a way to write him back. Like, do you know what? Do you know what you do, Alan? There's a scene, and I said this to Sirius when I was watching, do you know what would have been a really, really cool way to end that scene, right? 
So Superman is there. He's holding General Zod. General Zod is shooting his heat visions. There's people about to die. Oh, you're going to kill me, Superman, whatever. Do you know what would have been really cool? Lois runs in and she's holding a Krypton doohickey crystal or whatever. Throws it at General Zod and he gets sucked into the Phantom Zone right before... So then that way there's there's an element of kind of, ooh, was Superman going to kill him or wasn't he? That that to mm. me would have been a more interesting ending. So Zog gets sucked into the Phantom Zone and then you don't know whether Superman's going to kill him or not. I think that would have been a better way to end it. Mm. And the whole thing Possibly. is, every, everyone always says, oh, well, you know, like he's, he's choosing Earth. Like he's choosing, by killing General Zod, he's choosing Earth over Krypton. Well, there's a scene about five minutes before that where he says Krypton had Krypton a chance. Krypton had a chance, yeah. So yeah. he's already chosen Earth at that point. And meanwhile, there's a bunch of Kryptonians in the Phantom Zone living and breathing alive and well, along with Richard Schiff. So like, <laughs> by killing General Zod, he's not killing all of Krypton. He's killing one guy. So it just, it all just falls a bit flat to me. It's like, if you're going to, like, you know, a lot of people will point to Batman Begins, which is another David Goyer movie. He kind of kills Ra's al Ghul at the end of that movie. No, he doesn't. He just doesn't save him. He doesn't save him. But <laughs> totally, like, that's a totally different shark. It, it it'll totally stand different. up but, but in a court, any court of law. It'll stand up. And, and my, my point with that would be that has a bearing on his character arc. Like he saves Ra's al Ghul early in the film and it causes all this problems and all this devastation and all these people die as a result of it. So at the end of the movie, he goes, well, you know, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to. Like that actually has kind of a, it yeah. comes full circle. Whereas in this movie, it just kind of happens for no reason. And it's just there for the that. sake of it. And it's like, I agree with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I, anyway, I, I don't want to go on about it. it. It really doesn't bother me as much as it bothers a lot of people. But if, if it bothers me at all, it's just that it just happens for no reason, you know? And that's, that's my yeah. biggest problem with no, good point. Yeah. Uh, so, um, <laughs> after that, yeah, look, we're, we're coming to the end of the, the review. Is there any any closing thoughts on Man of Steel? Is there anything, any way you would have liked this series to go other than the way maybe it went? Uh, yeah, I, you know, it, it um, I, I think that there is a general sort of uh, moroseness through, through portions and it's very dour and whatnot and you're sort of like okay well that's that's Zack Snyder's general approach and I think to me that's what bugged me about about Batman versus Superman is that it it steered into the dourness mm-hmm. and it really yeah. it made and and I can appreciate like genuinely like I, I this is a movie I strongly disliked when it came out I would say I dislike it slightly less now but I appreciate what people like about it I'm like you know what that's cool. Uh, I get what you're saying. It it didn't fully work for me, but like, okay, you're trying to do an examination of like, you know, who who is Superman in a in a real world similar to ours, and what what is that person like? And you're trying to do that, but I'm just like, we didn't get the runway to lead up to that, right? I yeah. we needed we needed a movie where it's like Superman versus Brainiac or something like we needed, we needed that version of Superman. And I think uh, we, we've needed that for, for so long. We need it for a while. Brainiac. It's true. That's a good point. But like, I, I feel like the end of the movie and it's so funny cause I, cause I watched it with my wife about a week after it came out and she was just like, that was really like, I remember what she said. She was like, that was obnoxious and loud. That was her, yes. right? Yeah, and that's, and I—that's that, what Sirius said last week when I watched it with her. <laughs> you know, and it really like like yeah. the end of the movie, the end of Man of Steel feels like the end of Man of Steel three. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it yeah, yeah. I think it was just too big, and and Superman doesn't necessarily need to be that. I I think we could have built up to a, a slightly bigger ending, 
but I think I think I think that's fundamentally when you say like my, my sadness is that we got I mean in essence we got three movies of Cavill as Superman and I I like mm-hmm. Snyder's Justice League I I don't mind the theatrical cut of Justice League either so, but I'm like there could have been so much more they could there was so much there's so much richness to this character and to me the fact that with just second movie at the shoot they're like oop here's Batman it's like you're thrown in the towel. You, yep. you, you don't yeah. you don't trust your own character to be able to carry the day, and I just fundamentally disagree with yeah. that. You know, yeah. And that there's footage of Snyder, like at, I don't know, was it on the red carpet or, or somewhere where where someone was like, oh well, you know, would you like to do other DC characters? And he's like, no, I'm focused on Superman for now. We're just going to do Superman movies for the time being. And then that summer they announced that Batman was coming, <laughs> so something changed. You know, how about you, Alan? Yeah, I, I completely agree with Zaki. Um, as soon as I saw The Dark Knight in 2008, I was like, they're going to do this with Superman because that is what WB has always done. When something works, they, they try and do it with everything. They try and shoehorn everything into that kind of, you know, they did it with Flash 90 with Batman and, you know, that worked a lot better, you know, but the, that's the kind of thing. For some reason, all these film companies back in the 90s, because Batman was set kind of 30s, 40s aesthetic, they started making all these pulp comic book movies and stuff um and i i knew they were going to do it with superman and they did and it's a perfectly valid take on it um i think it lacks a lot of hope i think it lacks a lot of warmth and at the end of the day i said it earlier on i've become a dad since the um since i saw it for the first time i'm not really going to have much time for any superman movie i can't watch my kid and yeah that's fair. you know i can't you know i can sit down and with you know when alana jean is six or seven you know five whatever even now i could sit down and watch superman the movie with her um it'll be a long time before i can sit down and watch man of steel with her um i think i think there's just kind of a meanness to it and i think that's that's a shame when it comes to superman because you know not everything has to be catered towards kids but by god you should uh, children should be able to watch a superman movie i think yeah i agree with that uh, I, I look I do want to end this on a note of positivity there's a lot of things I dislike about this movie and there's a lot of things I dislike about the Snyder era overall uh, one thing I would like to say and I, I don't know if I really mentioned earlier on is watching it this time it really struck me that actually do you know what all the Jonathan Kent stuff works for me I think mm-hmm. it really really works really really well I think it's clear that he has a very nuanced very cl- complex relationship with you know Clark and his destiny in the world and I think ultimately he wants the best for him. And he, you know, I, I think for all the problems I have with the Snyder movies, I think there are nuggets of brilliance in all of them. Mm-hmm. And w- one of those moments for me is that scene near the end of this movie where it's it's just completely silent for once. Thank goodness David Goyer didn't throw in some terrible dialogue. It's just the, the child Clark playing around with the dog and you see the cape just flapping in the wind and he puts his hands on his hips and Kevin Costner is just wa- watching from afar and he just has this moment of realization of, oh, my God, this guy is going to be mm. the biggest thing in the world. I, I just think that's one of the most definitive Superman scenes ever filmed. Beautiful. Yeah. Like for all the problems I have with this film and the music just complements it so wonderfully. I think it's really, really, really powerful, that scene. Um, mm. And yeah, look, I, I think I, I have a lot of problems with this film. I have a lot of problems with the legacy it, it kind of had and all that kind of stuff. But I think Zaki put it perfectly in terms of I think I came into it hoping that this would be my generation's like definitive Superman and all that. And I think a better way of looking at it is just here is a version of Superman. And this is what they were trying to do. And, you know, this is an interesting interpretation in its, in its own right. It it doesn't need to be the version, but uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of, for a lot of people, it is the version 
and I, I think we can't discount that. It isn't, it isn't Morbius. Like it, it isn't some movie that nobody <laughs> likes. Like a lot of people deeply, deeply love this movie, and we're going to talk about some of the reactions we had from social media. You know, a lot of people really, really love this movie. We can't discount that either. So I think for better and for worse, like it, it has this amazing legacy as a film, and and that can't be uh, forgotten. And, and can, can I just add one one thought, if I may? Um, I, I think that Snyder sort of gets a bum rap in some quarters as like, oh, he doesn't mm. care about Superman. And he, he even no, brought his own yeah. agenda. And I think if you watch the movie, y- he's pulling from a lot. I mean, we, you can disagree with his interpretation, but yeah. everything he's done with the character is rooted in some some precedent within the mythology. And I and I just feel like that is at least worth acknowledging and respecting that. Absolutely, Absolutely. and th- there's a whole post crisis. Like, I mean, there's a litany of references. Like, th- there's there, there's a bit where you can see one of Krypton's moons, and it's got like a big crater in the back mm-hmm. of it because Jack Sewer exploded one of Krypton. Like, what yeah. a deep cut reference! Like, there's loads of stuff like that in this movie, and obviously LexCorp is all over it. Like, yeah. and there's a reference to Otisburg in one bit. Like, you know, <laughs> like you know, I I. I I, I think he interpreted Superman a very different way, but it's very clear that he did his research and he yeah. went back and absolutely. You know, so I, 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 I think that there's a lot to this movie that deserves a reevaluation in that sense. Zaki, before we go, would you like to uh, plug anything that you have coming up or anything, uh, any, anything you're working on? Uh, well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. This is, this is just such a joy to be able to chat about this, this movie, you know, it, and it is such a complicated movie. I think that allows for complicated discussions. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good thing. Um, if people are looking for me online, you can find me on Twitter at Zaki's Corner. That's Z-A-K-I-S Corner. And uh, my movie reviews go up uh, semi-regularly at the San Francisco Chronicle, also at IGN. Uh, you mentioned the Nostalgia Theater podcast. The most recent episode of that, as we are recording this, is my conversation with Glenn Greenberg, who's a former Marvel Comics editor. Uh, he has a, uh, um, I think it's called a bookazine out right now, called The Story of Superman. And uh, we talked about just the, the entire 85-year history of the character. He and I both love Superman, so it's really just two, two geeks geeking out, and I think it made for a fun chat. So. Excellent. I, I listened to that earlier this week, and it was oh, so much fun. And oh, I got—I I, got to say, Glenn's uh, bookazine—he uses the the image of Superman four uh, right. on the cover, which right. which I absolutely love. And he's he's done a beautiful, beautiful cover. So you can find that online, uh, which is which is really really cool. Zaki, you'll have to come back. I'd love that. I'd love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. It's 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 been great. It's been great. I appreciate that. After the break, you're going to hear some fan reactions to Man of Steel. So, but for now, we'd like to wish Zaki. Uh, adieu and uh, we we hope to have you back soon take care good journey (laughs) (laughs) take care bye hey guys so uh we did a call out on social media to hear what your thoughts on man of steel are you know 10 years on uh we got a couple of really really interesting emails and comments Uh, the first one i want to read is from matthew malecki who is a big fan of our show he's uh he's great to us on social media he he's one of those people who i don't always agree with him but i always love his input because he always has a lot of interesting points to make which is my favorite Agreed, yeah my favorite type of uh person to interact with on social media so matthew thank you for following us thank you for listening hey rob and alan what follows is my review i wrote for letterboxd the last time i watched man of steel about six months ago it's very long <laughs> i don't res- i don't expect you to read the whole thing so he says this is my favorite superman movie 
you know it has been since the day i saw it in theaters i love so much about it i do have a nitpick and a few other minor ones but the good in this far outweighs the bad i love the score so much i agree fits the film perfectly especially the quieter superman theme the visual shot composition and special effects are great this is a beautiful film to behold and fully utilizes the medium the performances are great from cavill adams shannon crow lane fishburne and costner they all deliver and elevate the material for the most part the script is excellent hmm. there are some lines of dialogue that feels forced i agree but that's a minor gripe this is the best script of all the superman movies so far hmm. it doesn't have those head scratching moments that all of the previous movies had fair enough it also is extremely efficient every scene every moment every line is a purpose and build on what came before uh, so he goes on, he talks a little bit about the, the science fiction roots of Superman, that it takes yep. a lot of inspiration from post-crisis, uh, a lot of interesting stuff about that. Um, he loves this Clark and Superman, despite some symbolism and lines of uh, dialogue equating Superman to Christ. This Superman is very human, he's just a guy trying to do the right thing. Um, he talks about the Jonathan Kent controversy. I know that Jonathan Kent has garnered, garnered controversy because of one word, maybe. I have no problems with that scene or that word. Really, my only issue is in the entire movie is Jonathan Kent's death scene correct i understand what they're going for thematically but the execution is clunky matthew we're with you 100 on that uh, i love this lois lane i've never been a big fan of kidder's lois she's fine but adam's lois is perfect to me i love how she's written i'm i'm the same and i agree i i have never been a, a huge fan i know she's your your top tier alan um, alan i quit the podcast <laughs> yeah she's i i think margot kidder does a great job but she is not top of my list i have I, to say i, I love mario kidder anyway uh, matthew says i unabashedly love this film it's been divisive since the release it's never been divisive with me i really liked it the first time i saw it in theaters and i've only grown to love it more each time i watch it it's not a perfect film but to me it's the perfect superman film matthew what a great letter what a great review i don't agree with everything but it's really well put and it's yeah. given us a lot of uh, food for thought absolutely um the next letter is from neil ricketson obviously our friend neil um if you want to listen to neil's episode he appeared on our review of the batman i think we released that back around march of 22 um he wrote in and i think at one stage i'll cut this out i think at one stage we we had said to neil that he should come on for the man of steel episode and i completely forgot about it <laughs> uh, <but laughs> we'll we, get you on for man of steel too we, we are we are gonna get neil back on very soon i promise um, Neil sent a letter what I like about Man of Steel and by extension all of Snyder's DC movies is that it's constantly wrestling with being both realistic and being mythic in terms of the storyline characters and visuals it's about Clark the man being forced to step into the role of Superman see I don't like that being forced to step into the role of Superman I don't yeah. think he needs to be forced I, I don't think and, Clark and actually, should be forced I want to come back to that in a second go on sure that's a point I wanted to make earlier on but yeah go on uh, I love how serious Zack takes all three films there's very little room for jokes or humour even though that sometimes makes the films clumsy and ripe for parody I think that initial poster of Man of Steel sums up the film, film brilliantly it's a close up of Superman flying the world rushing by him and he's looking at the camera that look on Cavill's face is fantastic uh, it's a look of someone who is massively out of his depth someone who is a hero but just a guy uh, even though i am a fan i think zach's films are clunky and artificial they are definitely more than a few moments there there are definitely more than a few moments where he and his writers have figured out what they want to happen and then rather mechanically set it up the death of jonathan kent the yeah. snapping of zod's neck but i can't forgive all all that for the moments everything does click my two favorites being uh, the first flight sequence with the incredible Hans Zimmer score really captures the exhilaration of flying. We didn't we didn't speak about that. Yeah. But that that is a really that is a really great scene to yeah. be fair. Yeah. 
uh, the part where we cut back and forth between Perry and Steve attempting to save Jenny. I remember I, when I saw her name was Jenny. I remember there was this little bit of uh, controversy at the time that yeah. they had replaced Jimmy with Jenny. How stupid that was. Um, to save Jenny from falling debris while on the other side of the planet, Kal-El tries to summon up the strength to break the world engine. It's silly, but that scene where Perry just grasps Jenny's hand knowing that there's no way to save her makes me cry every time. And that is the scene when I watched that scene. Um, again, the acting was superb um, from the the, the the actor who played Jenny. The, obviously, Lawrence Fishburne was there. And um, I thought, yeah, it felt really real. I think the casting in this film is probably some of the best casting of any Superman film. Uh, yeah, a couple of things I'd say to that. I, th- I think the scene in itself is fine. It's acted well. I'm just, every time I watch it, I'm like, does this film need this? And does it does it earn this? Like, it's clearly, yeah. he's clearly going for some kind of like, you know, 9-11 type thing where, you know, people dealing with the, the damage and the devastation that these kind of super hero super villain battles and we it's like we didn't talk about that with zaki about the level of devastation in it and you know what i can i can take that there is a huge kind of world ending battle going on what i don't like is that there's no little scene where superman at least tries to move it out of the city or Absolutely. get away from the or, city. or acknowledge the damage that's happening everyone you know the, the the common kind of counter argument is oh well he's still in training he's still whatever i don't think the movie acknowledges that i don't think it ever yeah. occurs to the movie that it, you know all this devastation is happening i think you know i, I as you say I, I i think it's just reveling in it a little not not reveling in it but it's kind of just it's kind of neither here nor there it's a bit like zod's death it's kind of just like well here's this devastation for the sake of it it's like i don't know it now it, it does lead into that amazing opening scene where they kind of try and address it in batman v superman where oh. bruce wayne is running towards it that is Jack! i think Jack! i think that's absolutely i remember sitting in the cinema watching that scene and he's running everybody's running one way and he's running the other way and he's bruce wayne and he's driving uh, that, i thought that was absolutely epic um but yeah it's yeah I yeah no look I and and going back to the thing you said about Jenny Olsen that was a huge controversy at the time yeah I, I just when I when I saw her name there it don't I, I just, it just came back to me yeah what watching it now I'm like really people cared that much about like Jenny Olsen Jimmy Olsen like it's fine and if like, only they knew that they brought Jimmy back in the next movie and then shot him right in the head at the start like to me <laughs> making Jimmy Olsen a woman is neither here nor there it's fine great why not bit of you know gender diversity whatever it's fine but like just bringing him in to shoot him in the face that's way more of an offensive thing to do um but yeah like yeah i totally agree just on the topic of the cast there i think everybody is mostly great in this movie i think people are underserved sometimes by the script i think Mm -hmm. amy adams and Lawrence fishburne i think a lot of the times they're dealt that they have a lot of dialogue where they clearly don't want to give that dialogue. Like Lois saying, I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Like nobody would say that. Like it just, yeah. it's not a thing that somebody would say. It's real kind of economic kind of, we need the character to say this so the audience realizes that this, you know, it's just, it, it's lazy, I think. And Lawrence Fishburne, it just, I, I love that casting, by the way. I remember when he was cast yeah. as Perry White, I was like, perfect, perfect. great, perfect. excellent, yeah. great. And I still think he could be a great Perry White, but like, again, it's just very, ugh, I don't know. Yeah. And for me, I think Henry Cavill, mm, I know everybody loves him. I'm just He's wooden. He is wooden. He's a bit wooden. Um, like, he looks the part. He looks like he walked off the pages of Superman. Like, And he's got that build. He just looks epic. And for me, I love the suit in this movie. I think it's great. But I just don't see in Henry Cavill what everybody else sees. 
Like in that particular scene where, you know, Jor-El turns him, I'm your father, Cal, or at least a shadow of him is consciousness. My name is Jor-El. And Clark just looks at him and it's total Joey Tribbiani smell, the fart acting. Cal, that's my name? I have so many questions. Where do I come from? Why did you send me here? And he's just, it feels like he's just pulling this really contrived FHM expression that just doesn't really work. I just, I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I don't get the whole Henry Cavill thing. I think he's fine. He looks good, but he just doesn't really do it for me. Like, and, you know, we went back to Superman Returns there recently, and I was like, you know what? There's a lot of moments in this where Brandon Routh is fucking kick-ass. Like, he really yeah. rocks the boat as an actor. Like, acting performance-wise, he's really, really good. Henry Cavill, I don't know. It's just never really... Anyway, look, I don't, you know, again, don't... What acting? And wise, I love Henry Cavill as as a, as a dude. I just think he's a nerd hero. So <laughs> if, if if I can say positive, Diane Lane rocks as Martha Kent. I think Kevin Absolutely. Kevin Costner is amazing as Jonathan, and I think Russell Crowe. Like I, I was reading that Gladiator there is uh, twenty three years old. There was a great Twitter thread there yesterday about Gladiator, and there's a bit in it where apparently Russell Crowe turned to the writer of Gladiator, and he didn't want to say the big speech in Gladiator because he thought it was a lot of nonsense. He thought it was really, really bad dialogue. And he said, this dialogue is garbage, but I'm the greatest actor in the world and I can make garbage sound amazing. <laughs> and he did. And he did. <laughs> he did. He, he turned that movie into one of the most iconic, like Academy Award winning movies ever made. And I think, I think he's a really solid Jor-El in this. I, I don't think he's as good as Brando, but I think he's very, very solid. And there's a couple of really, yeah. really good Jor-El scenes in this. Yeah, I agree. Um, any more letters? Yeah, so um, we have a letter from uh, Ken Crayley Jr., who is a big fan of ours on uh, social media. Again, he's very, very yeah, nice. Yeah, great guy. Uh, hey, guys, here are my thoughts on Man of Steel on its 10th anniversary. Man of Steel was a film I was excited about when I first saw the trailers. I liked some of Superman Returns, but was disappointed by it. But going into Man of Steel, I had hoped it would be better. Leaving the theater, I was, I was mixed on it. I liked Henry Cavill. He looked apart. Uh, but also, I knew this was a Superman character that was not experienced, not fully Superman yet. General Zod as the main baddie. I thought, really? Zod again? I want to come back to that. Uh, but Michael Shannon was good. Not as good as Terrence Stamp in Superman 2, but I still liked him in the role. Amy Adams is Lois Lane. I don't know about that. Very different, but I thought Shannon did a f- super job. I, I agree. Amy Adams is Lois Lane. She looked great in the part, but I could not see her as Lois. Not as great for me as Erica Durant in Smallville. Fair point. Margot Kidder in the Superman films. And currently, Elizabeth Tulock in Superman and Lois. Amy's Lois lacked personality for me. I would agree with that. Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White was different. And a vast departure from Jackie Cooper's version from the original Superman films. But I thought he was good in the role. Diane Lane as Martha Kent and Kevin Costner as Jonathan. I thought Diane was great as Martha, but Kevin as Jonathan. That is a whole different story. The writing for him in this version was way off. Very different from Jonathan Kent from Superman the movie on Smallville. Also, the choices Jonathan made were not quite right in my view. Finally, the ending of the movie with Superman vs. Zod over Metropolis went on for way too long. Completely agree. We didn't get to that. It goes on way too long and everybody's bored by the end of it and became destruction porn. Whereas when Avengers Age of Ultron did it, people were saved, etc. Yep, completely agree with that as well. Superman killing Zod, I did not like. And for me, Superman should never kill. He should always find a way to end a fight. Zack Snyder is a good filmmaker, but for me, he was the wrong choice for Superman. He fits better with Batman. The grounded approach to Superman did not fit well for the DCEU, but for the TV series Superman and Lois, it has done so much better. Superman is not Batman. Correct. Uh, Superman is bright and not dark. So, all in all, Man of Steel has grown on me over the years. When it was first released, I gave it a 7 out of 10. 
And now I give it a 6.5 out of 10. Not a bad Superman film by any means, but could have been so much better. Thanks always uh, to the All-Star Superfan podcast. Sincerely, longtime listener and Superman fan, uh, Kenny Crowley from Ohio. Kenny, superstar. Thank you very much. A lot of, lot, of, lot of thoughts there from Kenny, actually, Alan. Yeah, yeah. Michael Shannon versus Terrence Stamp. Where are we at with that? Very different. Uh, like them both. I think they're both excellent. It's, you know, it's Timothy Dalton and Daniel Craig. You know, it's... It... It's, it's funny he should say that because one of the notes I made was actually, you know, for me, in the original Donner movies, Superman was kind of a three-ish dimensional character but General Zod yeah. General Zod was a fairly two-dimensional character in those movies correct whereas I think in Man of Steel Superman is kind of a two-dimensional two-dimensional character. but General Zod is a really nuanced really interesting character like you know engineered engineered with the sole purpose of protecting Krypton and then Krypton is destroyed yeah. I love that and, and he has this great moment where the, you know the Kryptonian council are casting him off and he's like you're a pack of fools and he's absolutely yeah. right like and you know, you should have listened to Jarrell, and like, I'm like, yeah, that's fucking cool, man. I really like that. And there, there is an element to the character that I really like. He kills Jarrell because he needs to kill Jarrell to achieve his purpose, but he's haunted by the fact that he has killed Jarrell. Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, no, no, I, I, and and you know what? Watching it this time, I was like, Michael Shannon is really, really good. He's one of the few characters in this, I think, that really has a compelling and complete character arc and i can't wait to see him come back in the flash i'm like great yeah. like yeah why not he's the best villain they've ever had in these Zack snyder dceu movies for sure and possibly the best villain we've had in a superman movie Ooh, interesting uh disagree i still think gene hackman's better <laughs> but, <laughs> no but in, in terms of in terms of being like a three-dimensional kind of almost a tragic character like I, I you know i kind of reluctantly almost agree with you yeah like he's definitely yeah. the second best like if if i could criticize anything it's just in the movie jor-el reveals to zod that he has this son and he's like oh my son is the last hope for krypton and all this if he just if he never revealed that to zod then the whole plot of the movie wouldn't have happened correct and then later on in the movie zod reveals to kal-el that Oh, we came to Earth because as soon as you discovered the Fortress of Solitude, it set off a distress a distress call that alerted us to your presence. And we came to Earth, and now we're bringing this world engine. We're going to terraform Earth into a new Krypton. So, in effect, if Superman had never come to Earth, the invasion never would have happened. Also true. And Earth would have been better off without Superman, which is the worst. Like, you know, it's the worst kind of situation. To be they might have found it eventually maybe i don't know Ugh, i just i really really don't like that it's just it just no i don't feels know like it's a really sloppy story decision anyway we keep going yeah any any comments on the socials in yeah. relation to it so we did have a couple of interesting uh social comments right so uh okay so romello malone he writes uh man of steel is my fourth favorite superman film i like that my fourth i'm guessing out of what six I'm guessing Superman the movie, maybe Superman Returns is in there, Superman 2? Is he counting the other Snyder movies with Superman in it? Probably not. Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Ramella Malone, if you're listening, please let us know what are your other three favorite Superman movies. Man of Steel is my fourth favorite Superman film, and I like that Zack Snyder went a different direction with his character. I want to I wanna come back to that. Cavill is great casting, and I hope that his Superman is in The Flash and has a chance to interact with Sasha Kyle's Supergirl in The Flash. 
which it, you know I I think a lot of people hope that I yeah I feel like it's fairly cut and dried that it's not going to happen but I'm not sure um yeah. I, I I just want to pick up on something that he said there I like that Zack Snyder went a different direction with this character what are your thoughts on that I don't mind different directions there's been different directions for 85 years there's been different directions Lois and Clark is very different to Superboy Superboy is very different to the George Reeves show which is very different to the comic certain comic you know like there is a lot of being different for the sake of being different I have a, 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 more, a little bit of an issue with I said it before I, I can't remember what episode we were doing I said it before I have no issue with the world kind of changing but I'd like Superman to always be Superman and that's yeah. an issue I have with this film is it that different? Um, it's more violent. It's more gritty. It's more bleak. It's more yeah. I I feel like like tonally it's dour. De- tonally, yeah. tonally it's definitely different. But story like, wise, no. Bad guys come to Earth. Superman fights them. The, the, kicks their ass. No, but like if you if you break it down even further than that, the structure of the story is exactly the same as Superman the movie. Like you know, he comes to Earth. He gets the. He finds this fortress of solitude. He meets Jor-El. Jor-El tells him to become Superman. He becomes Superman. And he fights General Zod. It's the exact same. You know? Yeah. Compared yeah, to... Bones, like, you? Yep. you know, c- compared to all these different reboots we had, we had John Byrne, we had Lois and Clark, we had Superman Birthright. All these versions where he goes out and dis- like learns about Earth and decides himself to become Superman before yep. he ever meets Jor-El. I feel like that's the... like. That and the journalism thing are the two biggest missed opportunities in this film. It's like... Yeah, oh, well, the journalism, I think, is the big one. If they ever reboot, if they ever do Superman's origin again, and I don't think that they ever will, if they ever no. do it again, please don't, please don't have Jarrell just give him the Superman suit and tell him to be... Like, I, I think that's so... It's so done at this point, And it's so... Yeah. It just kind of beats you over the head with the whole thing of, oh, yeah, Superman's Jesus and Jor-El is God. It's like, I'm just fed up with that. Like, there are other messiahs that you can allude to. Like, Superman was created by two Jewish guys. One of them was from Canada. And yet, every time we do a Superman reboot, it has to be, like, American Christianity-based. Yeah. I just, I, I would love them to do a version where it's Clark comes up with the idea himself and, you know, travels the world, does a bit of journalism, and kind of goes right. How I'm going to do this? Why not be Superman? I, to me, that that's the biggest thing that they could change. It's, and, it's, it's, you know, it's called the Lois and Clark pilot. I want to read another letter here from a guy called uh, Darren Kirst, who is the co-founder and CEO of Oak Valley Media, and he has actually written a book called The Snyderverse Saga. Um, he writes, I remember being cautiously optimistic about it at first because I was such a big fan of Smallville. I still am. Uh, Man of Steel was my launching pad to becoming a Zack Snyder fan and the amazing introduction to Henry Cavill as Superman. The cast was incredible. The crew did an amazing job with every technical aspect, especially Hans Zimmer's score. The organic angle they took to tell their version of the story, Nolan, Goyer, Snyder, honoured the past in a refreshing way. That's a really nice way to put it. It might even be more relevant today than it was back then. After 10 years, it's aged like a fine wine. Uh, Darren, I, I don't fully agree with everything you've said there, obviously, but I that that's a really, really nice way to put it. And um, it's interesting you say there about how it's aged uh, like a fine wine, because uh, I think this week Michael Shannon uh, was doing an interview about uh, playing Zod and he, he talked about how um, 
you know, this idea of a planet that had mined its resources into oblivion and was now going to explode. And their answer to solving this problem was to venture forth into other planets and conquer them. Uh, I I just thought it was really, really funny the way he was putting it. And um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the ideas for me of Man of Steel have aged really well. It's it it's my my problem is not with any of the ideas really it's more just certain issues I have with the execution and I think Alan probably feels the same way, um but I have to say that that's a lovely letter you've written and um you, he said some really really nice things about our episode with Ed Gross as well, uh, Darren is one of the people that features in Ed in Ed's book as well so uh, voices from Krypton again you you can read all of Darren's thoughts uh, in that as well as the Snyderverse saga so thank you so much for uh, for writing in Darren. Hey guys, Zach here from Always Hold On To Smallville with my thoughts on Man of Steel. You know, when I first saw Man of Steel back in 2013, I loved it. Two thumbs up. It was exactly what I wanted to see from a Superman movie. When I heard Zack Snyder was going to direct the next one, I thought, perfect. Perfect guy to bring that energy into a Superman movie. Because Superman Returns is the opposite of Man of Steel. Everything Superman Returns did, Man of Steel did the opposite. Now, back in 2006, when I first saw Superman Returns, I loved it. Two thumbs up. So, my opinions fluctuate over the years with these movies. Today, I rate them about the same, but I would rank Superman Returns above Man of Steel, if that makes sense. They're just on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I understand that. It's Man of Steel is a reaction to Superman Returns. And you got to give Man of Steel credit because, and Zack Snyder has said this in interviews about approaching Superman making this movie, act like nothing else has come before. Start with a clean slate. We're not carrying over any understood things about the character as far as the visuals or things like that. And it is a clean slate, right? Krypton, totally different. Soundtrack, totally different. And those are two of the strongest things to me of the film. Because because rewatching it recently in preparation for y'all's episode and to send in some feedback for y'all, I enjoyed it more than I have since when I first saw it. I, I really thought it's solid, enjoyable movie. It's not my ideal perfect Superman movie to me, but it's got a lot going for it. Like I said already, Krypton, fantastic reinvention. Getting away from the crystals and the ice and all that from 1978 to smallville to the comic books that have incorporated over the years but i think it's fair to have a new take on it and so this kind of high energy sci-fi krypton i really enjoyed the aesthetics there and all that and also the soundtrack i i don't know if you guys have, have mentioned this on the podcast i know i at least talked to one of y'all who have this opinion i'm not sure what you which if it was either uh, Alan or Rob, but should the John Williams theme be like the James Bond theme for Superman? Should it go across all versions of the character, all iterations? And sometimes I think that. But other times, like here, I mean, that, not really. That Hans Zimmer theme really works what they're going for. Just It's so high energy, and I just wish they would use it more, right? And they don't even use it that much in, in the sequels, unfortunately. So I don't know. Uh, I don't have the right answer on that, but you know, I mentioned Superman Returns already. My favorite thing out of both these films are probably the soundtracks. John Ottman's reorchestrations of John Williams in Returns, and of course, Hans Zimmer's 
take on everything here in Man of Steel. But yeah, totally fresh, right? So those are some of my favorite parts. You know, Russell Crowe is fantastic as Jor-El, uh, kind of a man of action of Jor-El, tapping into his gladiator past. Michael Shannon, a revelation as General Zod. Could not be more different than Terrence Stamp, but that works, right? And Michael Shannon, one of my favorite actors working today. So uh, the whole premise of Zod and his motivations, fantastic, right? Because Krypton, is, it's this alien culture. It's this alien society, right? So to have this genetically predetermined class system and Zod being part of that and him having a singular focus and that being, you know, the source of his motivation and all his rage at the end against Superman totally tracks. It's so good. And he's probably the best villain in the, in the DCEU, right? If you think about it, I can't really think of any that come to mind other than, you know, I really enjoy the Aquaman movie and I feel like those villains uh, were all pretty good. And then as much as I love Wonder Woman, um, the main villain was kind of let down there. But so, yeah, I think Zod is probably the most three-dimensional, fleshed-out, best villain of the whole DCEU. So those first 20 minutes, probably my favorite section of the movie. You know, at that point, I do think it has some structural problems as far as flashbacks. It's almost like they watched Batman Begins and said, you know, let's do that. So they sprinkle in these not at always the best times because ultimately I feel like after we see Jonathan Kent die in a flashback, we have two more flashbacks with him after that. And I'm like, what? That that just undercuts that moment of truly losing the character. So I think that was odd. Uh, and then really my only other big criticism would be something that I have realized myself. And, and you can probably headcanon your way out of this or fan explain your way out of this. But the Kryptonians having powers in their environmental suits doesn't make sense. Even in the movie, when Zod gets his mask ripped off, he has uh, x-ray vision, he has super hearing, he has all these powers flooding in on him, but he already had like strength and speed, they all did, right? So it should be either no powers or all powers, because remember, when Superman goes on the ship, you know, Jack Sir tells him, you're as weak as a human, right? Because they're in the Kryptonian atmosphere, and if the suits are supposed to keep that atmosphere for them, they should not have all the powers, that they have. So I, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like either I'm overthinking it or maybe the movie didn't think it through enough. That's just something that, that I've noticed in, in past viewings that I haven't really seen anyone else talk about, but I, I feel like it's an inconsistency. I think Henry Cavill, great casting. He could have been a great Superman. He had the potential. He definitely had the look. He has a little that charm and swagger, especially when he's dealing with the government as Superman. Uh, like, don't play games with me, General, right? That kind of thing. Uh, and when he crashes the satellite at the end, I like that. There just wasn't enough, although there wasn't any, of the Clark Kent persona in this. And at the, the last scene in the movie, great scene, great way to end the movie. Welcome to the planet. Welcome to the planet Earth. Welcome to the Daily Planet. Happy to be here, Lois. Goofy smile, the glasses, right? That's a crucial part of the Superman character. I mean, people might think it's hokey, the secret identity, but it's an essential part of the character. It's part of the charm. And I would have really wanted to see what Henry Cavill had to do playing that part, playing the dual personality, right? The Daily Planet staff. Amy Adams. You know, I love Amy Adams as an actress. Is she the best fit for Lois Lane? I don't know. She's fine in this. She has some good stuff. She's nowhere near my top Lois Lane's. But hey, good to see Smallville guest star Amy Adams show up as Lois Lane. That is something that, uh, that I enjoy about Man of Steel and the DCEU as well. All these Smallville guest stars sprinkled throughout 
all the movies. Now, part of that's probably the, the Canadian acting pool or whatever you want to call it, but it's cool to see stuff like Smallville's second Dr. Hamilton, because the first Dr. Hamilton becomes Cyborg's dad, but Smallville's second Dr. Hamilton sharing scenes with the Man of Steel Dr. Hamilton, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of crossover there for, for actors and things. Lawrence Fishburne, fantastic as Perry White. Probably my second favorite Perry White after Lane Smith, of course. Perry White's kind of a character where it's all what the actor brings to it. And he brings a lot to it. I, I enjoy his presence. So would have liked to see a Jimmy Olsen in here. We did see a Steve Lombard. Uh, would have liked to see him more in the in the future, in the sequels. Just expanding that Daily Planet cast. Uh, again, like, hey, let's let's see more of that. There are a lot of criticisms of this movie. I feel like some are unfair. I feel like some are fair. There's one image that, that I laugh at it because it's just so like, this is what people are criticizing. There's one moment in the final battle where Zod picks up a truck and throws it at Superman. It's a LexCorp truck, by the way, so an Easter egg for Lex Luthor. Picks up a LexCorp, like two 18-wheeler tankers, throws it at Superman. Superman jumps out of the way. The tankers hit a building. The building explodes and collapses behind him, and it's like, wow, if this is not a microcosm of people's issues with <laughs> the final battle of Man of Steel. Yeah, I just, I don't know, like the, the destruction porn, if you will, a um, little too much for my taste. The lightning rod issues to this movie don't bother me as much as it really seems to bother other people. Like, I feel like they're very interesting points of conversation, but I get exhausted by the discourse around them, right? Like Jonathan Kent dying. Uh, I 100% believe this Jonathan Kent would do this, right? And, and this Jonathan Kent reminds me of the one from Smallville, right? Like, should I let those kids die? Maybe. People get so upset by that line. I find it very realistic. It's a very honest answer. It's a complicated issue. Uh, and then he walked the walk that he talked the talk to, right? He did not want Clark to give up his secret, so he waved him off to save him. I have no problem with Jonathan Kent making that decision, sacrificing his life to protect his son's secret. That's the Jonathan Kent I know. The choices that Jonathan makes as a character, I'm 100% on. Clark not saving him is, is my issue there, because I, I feel like he would have. But he wanted to obey his dad, and he, dad didn't want him to do it. It's, compli it's complicated. Also, killing Zod. I mean, it's a very visceral moment. I, God, even every time I see it, I kind of recoil. like, oof. You know, maybe if they had played it a little differently, it would have gone over a little better. I understand why people are upset by it. I've, I've gone all over the place myself, right, and my feelings about it. Because I've said many times to myself, eh, you know, Superman can kill his enemies because they're, they're monsters, right? They're alien creatures. They're unstoppable forces, right? Godlike beings, what are you going to do with them? You can't put them in a jail cell. Uh, and then Zod kind of gave him an ultimatum. And then Batman, I think, should not kill people because all his enemies, for the most part, are, are human, right? You can capture and contain them without having to kill them, right? I like Superman who draws that line in the sand and say, I will not kill. When, when, it's more interesting when heroes have this self-imposed rules because if Superman didn't have that, he could just go and take care of any problem because he has that that moral code where he won't do that that limits his options right and it makes storytelling more interesting it makes the uh the debates more interesting about him solving his problems i don't know again interesting conversation points to discuss but uh i'm exhausted by the discourse i really am and people focus in on these two things and i think that really drags a lot of the the conversation about the movie down unfortunately because i think again there's a lot of good stuff here like superman learning to fly it's the most joyous we've seen him, you know, in, in these movies, smiling and that sort of thing. Love that stuff. Wanted to see more of that stuff. And I realized that most of my big criticisms of the DCEU Superman really start to cement themselves in the next film. Well, th that's when Superman says things like, well, things that Superman would never say. At least I feel that way. 
So there you have it, guys. Those are my thoughts on Man of Steel. Talk to you soon. And I have to be honest. I have to be honest with you, Rob. I was I was nervous about this episode. I I you know I didn't want to just dump on the film. I didn't want no. to be like this pit of negativity on it. I overall I don't like it. It's been five or six years, except for when I saw it last week. Five or six years since I saw it. I don't really have much of a desire to see it again anytime soon. But just came into my head there a character that I that I liked in the film that I didn't uh, mention earlier on was um, the character played by the Chris guy Maloney. from Law and Order Chris Maloney I knew you were going to bring him up <laughs> yeah I really liked that character <laughs> I really liked him um, and I thought he was well played I actually met him one time before on a crosswalk in Dublin believe it or not fun um, but a uh, really nice guy but yeah I, I like that character but yeah um, I, I was nervous about recording it and talking about the film I was worried that you know we'd come across very one sided and that but I think it was great have Zaki on made some great points and I think I think we've been fair yeah and you know what like I mean I, I, I made the, the Morbius illusion earlier on like you know say what you want about both this and Superman Returns they're both very mm-hmm. very interesting films and they both have yes. very you know, uh, involved directors who had a vision and an interpretation that they wanted to kind of bring to life. Like, you know, these so easily could have been just throwaway nonsense that studio driven, just let's get a movie out there. And neither, neither of the two Superman reboots are that, you know? And like, when you look about some of the Superman movies that nearly got made, like they nearly made one with Brett Ratner at one point. And like, you know, there's all these, there's all these directors that nearly made a Superman, Mick G nearly made one. Like, you know, I think in both cases, they made interesting movies that they wanted to make. And, you know, we can talk all we lo- want about how they didn't really live up to our expectations. But I think a lot of people love both of them and we'll be talking about them, you know, for the rest of the time. So I, I think yeah. in, in that sense, they have earned their place in history. And I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that we got to talk about it in such detail tonight. Absolutely. I just want to finish up on this lovely email we got from Matthew Vincenti. The Metropolis mailbag he sent this in is it's nothing to do with Man of Steel, it's just a general email. Hey Rob and Alan, I commented on the Facebook a few weeks ago mentioning the Superman Red and Blue backstory and you all mentioned uh, I should email you. Uh, I absolutely love the show. It's absolutely one of the best Superman podcasts out there and believe me, I have listened to them all. Well, thank you very much for that, Matthew. Not only are you both engaging presenters, you both have excellent taste when it comes to Superman stories. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, you get you get why fans still hold on to things like Superman Four and the Superboy Show. Your episode on the Steel movie was fantastic. I really enjoyed your episode this week with Ed Gross talking about his new book. Uh, that's Voices from Krypton, everybody, available for pre-order on Amazon now. Uh, I've already pre-ordered and can't wait to read it. I think you'd be surprised at the Star Trek and James Bond fandom crossover. I certainly enjoy hearing uh, about both. And the idea of the Bond, Superman, Batman episode is a great one. Um, Matthew has a Superman relate, uh, blog, focus blog, um, where he kind of talks about all various Superman topics. It's called, it's called Miracle Monday. It says .co, I presume it's .co.uk. Um, but Miracle Monday is the name of the blog. If people want to check it out, he um, he, he just focuses on very Superman topics. Great name for a blog, by the way. Great, great throwback to the to the book. Uh, but thank you, Matthew. Very kind words. We were going to do an episode on that before, and we still might. It, it's a we novel might, yeah. written by Elliot S. Magan, and it's for my money, it's one of the best Superman stories ever told. So that was an absolutely beautiful email. I I, I remember reading that and I was going, 
God, that's just amazing that someone took the time to write that. That was lovely. Yeah, it was really nice. And I've said it before, like you're sitting, I'm sitting at the desk at work or whatever, and an email pops in and I read something like that. And it just fills me with kind of appreciation for the fact that people tune in and listen to the podcast and are enjoying it. And, you know, it sounds like Matthew really enjoys it. You know, I don't know if it's the best. He says it's the best podcast, Superman podcast. You listen to it. I, you know, I can't make that claim. But I just want to say thank you for the kind words and uh, for taking the time out of your day to send us a message, Matthew and we really really appreciate it lovely um anything anything else before we head off i'm back playing a bit of playstation 4 at the moment um alan wake a game i played many years ago i'm back playing that at the moment i wanted something kind of detective focused and scary Uh, it's very uh, if you haven't played it rob it's very twin peaks yeah um heavy influence there more horror than twin peaks but it's definitely you can see the lynchian uh, influence there in the game can you die in the game oh yeah but you, you know what they say a good death is its own reward <laughs> oh god i walked into that one <laughs> give out the socials rob <laughs> uh you can follow us at all-star super fan on all-star super fan at fa- on facebook and instagram All-Star- at all-star super pod on okay Twitter. Let, let me do it again right <laughs> <laughs> let's keep this in now <laughs> you can follow us on all star super fan on facebook and instagram you can follow us on all star super pod on twitter please send us an email with all of your hot takes on man of steel and all the subsequent Zack snyder movies at all star super pod at gmail.com and if you don't have any hot takes just send us a lovely email just send us anything you're thinking about anything superman related any any observations or thoughts or considerations you've had listening to the show we'd love to hear them just want to tell us how great we are right well yeah, don't worry about I that like don't, 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 you know <laughs> there's, there's no pressure there but like by all means just write in we, we love reading them that they, they really brighten up our day and yeah just uh just keep listening loads of fun episodes coming up we have a couple of ones in the bag that we're really excited to release and yeah the future is bright at all-star superfan alan do you want to take us out um everybody stay safe stay super and take care. Until next time, bye-bye.